take the red pill, you stay in Wonderland, and I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. I think I should have probably did the research before, but I think you're my first ginger. Yeah, you're my first ginger. I'm happy to be here. <laughs> That's you really know what we called a, it's a cold opening. You know what? It's funny too because I say that um, a lot of people I cross paths with that are gingers try to do this ginger connection thing with me. Do you ever get that? A little bit. Like there's it's, some sort of unspoken bond. Oh yeah, the, the unspoken bond. It's where they look deep into your eyes and your soul and you're just supposed to be friends right from the beginning. Yeah. Do you find that? Do you find you can relate to gingers pretty easily? You know what? I don't think I have one ginger friend. Do you? <laughs> Not as pure ginger as us. Um, where I say that, like the the freckles, red hair, like... That that the, the prototypical ginger. You know I don't what? Think I do. Though, like, I've I've grown into love being a ginger. Like, I really did not like it in high school. Oh. I was like most high school kids that looked different. Yeah, I went yeah. through a punk stage. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. with girls you can kind of experiment with your looks a little bit more. I dyed okay. my hair black, black eyes. So Regan Bradley here with me. Uh, say your name just so we we get that context. When I was in high school. I uh, or was it elementary school? I think it was more elementary school, but I dyed my hair blonde because I hated being a redhead so much. Like all my friends made fun of me, um, so I would I dyed it blonde like pretty consecutively. It started with hockey, but I was like, I want to keep it for a bit, and then I kept going. Then I eventually like dyed my hair, or sorry, <laughs> so I, I sorry I grew my hair and I grew my hair out to my shoulders while it was blonde short. So I had blonde. So, well, yeah, what part of it was red? Yeah, and then like basically to where my ears start was all like ginger. So like oh, it just lovely. was so greasy and dirty, and I don't know what I was thinking, but we stuck like that for a year, and I, I don't. You know what? I think every ginger tried to be blonde. You know, blonde's a little bit better than dark because like the eyebrows really give it away. Yeah, that's it. You know, it, you right? got like yeah. the ginger eyebrows and dark hair, and you just know being a phony that's it yeah so i mean needless to say this is not a ginger podcast <laughs> ginger love podcast um don't kick gingers yeah please don't it hurts a lot <laughs> uh so regan your personal brand strategist and founder of women who weed yes i am so that's interesting now you i mean in general terms you're you're a young woman yep. so um I guess what made you really want to take that dive as like a young person, maybe without that that breadth of experience from working full time for a number of years, you know, working for the man and you just kind of like jumping off and, and wanting to start something. You almost started it pretty much from the start of your career, it would seem, for the most yeah. part. Like what? I think that's a really great question. I've, I've really been influenced by um, mentors around me. And I was really fortunate in university to work as, um, started out as an administrative assistant for a really well-established entrepreneur. And one of my jobs was to sit on his sales calls, sit on his coaching calls and transcribe what he was saying. And as I was doing oh. that, I was listening to all of the advice he was giving to CEO founders. I was learning about um, his methodologies and why he became an entrepreneur. And I think almost through osmosis, I kind of wanted that a little bit for myself. Interesting. What, what were the things 
he was saying because I've had uh, like Mallory Rome was on here and we talked a little bit about entrepreneurship and talk. I've I've spoken with a few business owners now, and I always find it fascinating because we live in a world that I think a lot of people crave the structure and they crave that kind of like that blanket, that that security, right, of like a steady paycheck. You know, most people I know, we live in Ottawa, which is, for those who don't know in the States, and the Netherlands actually, who, who are listening, I have a big audience in the Netherlands, it seems, so anyway. Nice. Um, Ottawa is the capital of Canada, and we have a lot, like that's where the government is. So a lot of people in Ottawa, especially young people, are like, I'm going to graduate. I'm going to go work with the government for the rest of my life, and a good pension, uh, be taken care of, have a good wage, um and and be good now you know you're saying like you were just like no i you were attracted to like the total opposite like the risk the 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 taking chance betting on yourself like quote unquote like i i i kind of looked at it this way so i i had that work with the entrepreneur and i was working from home by myself and i kind of craved that um team dynamic that you would get in a traditional office um, so my very first job was working for the government, my first legit okay. job. And through that experience, I learned that it was not for me. But I did not not like working in an establishment. And I feel like when you're heading down your path to graduate school, you feel like there's like sexy jobs, you know, mm-hmm. like there's jobs that, you know, other people want. There's jobs that are more competitive that could be like working for um, Nike you know, yeah, the best agency in the city, really um, the desirable job. So I'm a competitive person at heart. And I had my eyes set at um, an agency that would really uh, um, I had really admired in Ottawa. So that's where I went. But then when I was working at this agency, I was seeing I was learning all the processes about how to build an excellent brand. But I was working my ass off. I was working like 10 hour days to achieve somebody else's goals Mm -hmm. and as Mm -hmm. i was doing that i i thought back to this entrepreneur who had literally created his own path and made his own fortunes and i thought well why can't i take what i'm learning here and just continue to build on it so that's when i decided to make the jump from employee to entrepreneur interesting dumb question sort of what's your definition of like entrepreneur versus like a business owner? Are they they the same thing? Kind of like a little different in a sense? Well, entrepreneur I think is more of like a broad term, but within entrepreneurs you have all these different types of entrepreneurs, right? Like you could have a solopreneur. So that's kind of what I would consider myself. Um, I work for myself, by myself, and I make money for myself. So um, that's really when you don't have like a big team. I feel like the definition changes the moment that you start having staff. The moment Mm. where you have to start worrying about payroll and other people's livelihoods and it's not just all on your own. Mm -hmm. And there's a different kind of set of decisions and responsibilities that come with that. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, So your first endeavor going out on your own, was that the the women who weed or was that like this, the, the personal brand strategist? So babies no the woman who we came afterwards so i'll okay. start with um the personal brand strategy okay. so i had been working at an advertising agency i was kind of gaining the chops and knowledge of really what goes into a brand as i had mentioned mm-hmm. and i said okay well can i apply this to people 
can I take these same principles that I've been learning from the agency and um, make it smaller, right? Like tone it down a little bit. Instead of doing a massive corporate strategy, how can I use those same principles for a social media strategy? Or instead of making a huge website describing all these products and services, how can I help a person build a portfolio online? So that's how it kind of started. And it started with a friend of mine. Her name was, uh, her name is Clary Chambers. She's still around. <laughs> and uh, she kind of let me, she was my guinea pig. She okay. let me okay. um, build her brand from scratch. And once I had done that, I was pretty much hooked. Yeah. And anybody who would let me, um, you know, audit their Instagram, work with a graphic designer to help build their logos, the whole kind of gamut that comes into when you're building a brand, mm -hmm. um, I took it. Okay. And eventually I'd built up a couple of clients. I started just calling myself a personal brand strategist. It went from I'm doing this as a side hustle to this is who I am. I think there's a bit, there's something really powerful in identifying yourself as someone. And actually Clary, that same woman did, made me, she taught me that she was a mental health um, coach, but she wasn't. But she started calling herself a mental okay. health coach and a mental health speaker, and then she started getting gigs for it. So it's like when you start associating yourself with a particular identity, then those opportunities start coming to you. That's interesting. Um, I guess I could, yeah, okay, I can see it. I just started calling myself kind of like a podcast host. And here you are. Here I am you on are. a podcast. You wow. completely are, right? <laughs> um, well, shout out to Clary for uh, letting you do that. I'm interested, though. Like, I think the the appetite for this is is huge, right? But when you when you think about it, turning it into a business, what like what is that like? Is that a struggle to try to let people to to show people or tell people that like? I don't want to say it's like you know them better than themselves, but it's like you're trying to show them, make yeah. them show like an image of themselves to the world. Like I think I, th I think I understand what you're asking because people are very multifaceted. Like nobody can be defined in one simple way, right? You are a podcast host, but you also work for a radio station, but you also are a mental health speaker mm -hmm. and you have this hobby and you go to the gym and this, that, and the other thing. The thing where I find most individuals get confused is how can I say one thing that's going to help me get customers and sales when I am so many other things. Mm -hmm. But a part of having a strategy is knowing what not to say. Mm. So it's figuring out what's actually really important and then speaking in the customer's mind and only speaking about those things. So I go to the gym but you're not going to see me posting gym content on my social media because I've made the decision to only talk about two things, cannabis and personal branding. Mm -hmm. Like that's where it stops. And it's kind of funny because once I've made that decision personally, it's taken off a lot of pressure on me to feel like I have to be posting everything I'm doing in my life all the time. Now I'm like, okay, well, if it's not this or that, then it's not relevant to my audience. Okay. Do you know, if, so a, a discussion I've had um on this podcast a bunch of times is is the topic of authenticity so you're you're choosing to leave a presence of you um like off offline like a big part of who you are you're choosing to leave offline now you might have a what do you call a, a finsta 
yeah. or something or whatever. I know a lot of people do that. But I've always been interested in this topic because, you know, I, I totally understand what you're saying in a sense of, you know, business and, and sales and stuff. But I also, part of me is just like, why can't I talk about everything about me when, you know, that's going to, like, why should that hinder things for me just because I talk about other things? You know what I'm saying? Like, I've always had a trouble grasping that aspect of the way kind of our our digital world is at least sh shifting. Totally. Um, it's like we're almost... We're almost like taking the fun out of social media a little bit. Yeah, and I yeah. I agree. Like I've I've completely used I now use social media as a business tool. Right. I've made that decision to specifically do that. Um, if I want to get authentic um, with my close friends, I've made a close friends list on Instagram gotcha. for stories. I do Snapchat with people that are really personal. Um, that or that are in my personal network, and then I use Facebook to post like pictures of me out on the weekend or me mm. at an amusement park or you know things that my family really want to see so it's not necessarily that you can't it's maybe being a selective of like what platforms you're going to show a particular side of yourself right because like okay there's something about um clicking follow on instagram and just like being a follower and finding someone on facebook like there's just something a little bit different than that. You know, like you have a colleague and you're like, oh, should I like from my colleague on Facebook? Like how we personal. Yeah. We passed that. Like, yeah. Order yet? and like people still do, do use Facebook. Like whoever says yeah. that Facebook is dead. It's not dead. But, um, I've said it's, I said it's dying. Yeah. Maybe for, for younger generations, but people are still on there. Like I'll post Absolutely, something yes. and yeah. I'll get, I'll, I'll post a photo and I'll get like a hundred likes on it. Yeah. It's pretty good. I think it's, sorry, when I say dying, and I know we kind of diverge off the subject, but that's what happens here. Um, it's dying in a sense of, like, business, uh, for businesses and, like, content. It's, like, it's reverted almost back to its roots of, like, it's just, like, people in your network and that's what you know. When for a while it was, like, Facebook Lives and, like, news articles and digital publishing, just, like, that, that was all of Facebook, right? But then they change the algorithm and, and I think with Facebook um, the only way to really be successful on it is to do paid ads yeah exactly and then show up in people's feeds and banners but and sneaky ways just like because that. you use paid average it doesn't give you more reach on other things it just gives you more reach on your paid ad like right it doesn't reward you for putting money into it yeah like you have to spend money all the time 100% and I get that from a business perspective 100% um, it's just yeah I, I don't know it's uh the the social world and how it's you know I, I, everything in me is like two-sided I, I always see like the benefit so like someone like yourself you're using instagram for your livelihood and i think people taking that chance and really kind of like finding that that uh, opportunity to be able to monetize you and and live your living through through this like that's seizing opportunity and that's what business is all about but i think that also we, I, and we were chatting a little bit about this before is that like I'm only using Instagram as a tool to help me get customers okay. for personal branding. Right. Right. Like I'm not using Instagram to get like paid opportunities of me like rocking a scarf. Like sure. If someone that mm, okay. has a product that aligns with like 
those two messages that I'm sending out, which mm-hmm. is like personal branding or cannabis, and I think the product is relevant to my values, sure, maybe I'll open up the window for um, like a paid engagement. But I had said to someone, I'm like the worst influencer ever because now that I'm posting cannabis content, people are offering to give me stuff or like pay me to promote this or that. And I'm like, is this even a good product? You know? Right, right. Right? Like, so at the end of the day, like I use social media to just kind of do, build thought leadership. Okay. Instead of build a livelihood on it, right? Okay. And right. I think that's what, um, in personal branding, that's something that I try to communicate to my audience, um, to my customers as well, is that, you know, inf- like Instagram isn't the means to the end. It's like a tool to help you get to your mean, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Like, so if you want to, if you are an artist, I gave this as an example, you don't want to be an influencer, you're an artist. So you want to use Instagram to help facilitate more sales. Gotcha. I thought, and I think it's good, uh, because it, it's a twist on like what we normally would think of something in a business world, and what I mean by that is, in like a in a corporate setting, you know, so people like us who are, who are young, like when you come out with with an idea or you think you have um, the right answer to something, people are gonna be like, ah, yeah, well, you know, you're young, you don't know what you're talking about yet. They might dismiss you because of your age. Where with social media, I think older people like take a look at that and they're like. I don't, I don't know what to do. So, young person, you're on your phone all the time. Tell me what to do on social media. So it almost reverses that mindset that kind of like, you know, our parents grew up with, or even people a little bit older with than, with than us. In a sense, where like you had to just sit there quietly and learn, and then speak up a little, and just kind of build yourself up until all of a sudden you're in a management position, hopefully, and then all of a sudden your word has influence. Whereas now, this is an industry where people are turning to young people for answers to help them and i find that really interesting i think that is so interesting and i actually have like a little anecdote on that is um, my client right now it's funny it's a friend of mine's mom Mm. and her husband my friend's dad is has built his career in advertising so he's been an entrepreneur he's worked in big firms and so when she wanted to hire me to help build her personal brand, I messaged my friend and I was like, so what's up with this? Is your dad gonna be reading everything? I'm a little intimidated, like your dad knows his shit. And he said to me, he's like, it's really funny, Reagan, because this is the one area my dad can't help my mom. Like he doesn't understand how to hack away at the algorithm on Instagram to get more followers, or he doesn't understand the whole influencer trends or maybe not understand but it's not his area of expertise yeah so people that i've been in advertising for so long or they're used to tv ads and radio spots and media buying and kind of some of the stuff that you might be familiar (laughs) with but it's different you have to treat it completely differently we totally see that when we speak to our clients and you know we see that shift in mindset where clients want to engage more with the newer type of stuff than rather than traditional in a lot of ways right like in a perfect world it's all like you have a little bit of everything to spread your message but when budgets are so tight right like i mean we even find ourselves now like wanting to experiment with influencer marketing and social media tactic because it's one level to be like i know how to post I know how to do an Instagram story. I know how to do a location tag and hashtags. That's that. That's one element of 
Instagram that like it's a base level, but then you get into all like the nuances of it and you, you know, um, like aesthetics and, and like you were just speaking, like you're, you're, you're messaging and, and sticking to that brand and everything, right? Like that's where people who think they know Instagram like fall off the map because no, they don't really get into that strategy. And it's not even just Instagram, right? It's, I think it's just like marketing skills. Mm -hmm. It's like being interested in digital marketing and keeping up with the trends, just like you read the news. Like right now I have a Google alert set up for that literally says Instagram algorithm. So every single time an article comes out about the Instagram algorithm, I get an email. Mm. So I'm keeping up to date with that, right? Yeah, it's important because it changes quite frequently and in some cases pretty dramatically. Yeah, absolutely. So it's just, you have to have an interest in just digital marketing in general. Yeah. Right? And it's hard to keep up. I know for a lot of people because you you have the whole, in marketing especially, right, with like you're responsible for so many different avenues when you're everything just gets lumped into marketing now or communications, right? It's oh like yeah. You have to do graphic design, you have to do copywriting, you have to do media buying, planning, social media. Like it's like all these things just going to, and you're like, they're really like, to me that we're in 2020 and not every company has like just a dedicated social media marketer. To me, that's ridiculous. Oh my gosh. Like there are people who literally still think that you can be like, you can grow millions of followers or like organically. I'm not saying that's impossible, but now that Facebook and Instagram have caught on to it, like they're not going to let that happen so easily. Like you really have to kind of hit lightning in a bottle to do it organically. But people at the top still think that it, that's what you have to do. Well, Just use a couple exactly. of hashtags. Well, why it. do you think Instagram's hiding followers? Or like likes and yeah. photos, right? Like yeah, they're yeah. not doing it because mental health, right? <laughs> do, you, is, do you really yeah. think that's really what they care about? No. Yeah. What they're really doing is that they want people to, they're making it really tough for influencers to show the worth of investing in them. Mm -hmm, because mm -hmm. like people aren't liking things as much now that they don't have to like see how now that they're not seeing how many other people are liking it. So now um, they're trying to force brands into spending all their ad dollars with them instead of influencers right. because they have better analytics and they actually, actually can show the results of their campaigns where now influencers can't. Right. So they're taking away tools that influencers have in their toolkits to be able to market themselves to brands. Yeah. Cause they weren't, they weren't getting their cut. You can't, you gotta give them. Yeah, exactly. The cut. Exactly. Um, I mean, what do you, so now, like, that's all happening. Like, what, and I don't want to, you don't have to give away too much for free because I know you, you get paid for this type of stuff. <laughs> but, like, what types of things can you implement or do you implement when you're working with people to kind of offset those those losses due to things you can't control, right? It's not as easy anymore to just all of a sudden become that Instagram influencer. So, like, what types of things are you do you have people work on and, like, I guess realistic goals like you know like I think it's discouraging when you only get like I don't know less than 100 likes or something right like that's it's yeah. just, people are like ah like the content didn't hit it's a bad piece of content totally. is it or did you just get screwed totally well I think we got to use like the tools that are available to us and then a little bit of like hacking away at the system as well mm. so like a really good strategy is obviously using hashtags like yeah 
and analyzing those hashtags, like actually opening up your photo after you posted it and saw how many views you've got from those specific hashtags. Because if it's not many, then you need new hashtags. Mm. Um, you know, you could do collaborations with other brands. So, um, and that's as simple as like, um, you see it all the time. One influencer will wear another person's t-shirt that they've created. Both of them are tagging each other and then they swap followers that way. Mm-hmm. It's kind of cheating the system when you're like going in and you're liking a bunch of other, like following a bunch of other people's followers and then unfollowing them. I hate that shit. Because it's not authentic. Yeah. But what you could do is you could start responding to other people's comments on people that have same like brand mission as you. So if someone has this photo and it's about goal setting and you know, I just posted something about goal setting and like 50 people commented on their post, I could be like, check out my post on goal setting. It's, you you have to be social. Mm. You have to be social and you have to be consistent and you kind of have to treat it like a job if you want it to make you money. Right. Do you find trouble with that? Like in a sense that I'm, I'm someone who like, I get like this whole conversation. I truly find it fascinating, but I don't want to be, I made that conscious decision that I don't want to be that person on my phone all the time. Like I just know it's not, it's not good for me personally. Do, Do you find or maybe even just talking to other people in this community or with influencers, like um, content creators, like do you find a struggle with it, with that balance of like always being on your phone, being on social media and stuff? Like, is that, is that hard in yeah, a way? Yeah, no, I think that's a good question. And I think also having that strategy that I had mentioned earlier right, right. was, has really helped me with that. So like when I'm with friends and I'm like having one-on-one time, like I'm not like snapping being like, I'm with this friend, like, you know, like right. eating A&W, you know, like <laughs> I don't share that shit. I'm just like with my friend, mm-hmm. but I've started um, kind of creating habits for myself. So I want to post, I'm not, I haven't started doing this yet. I've, I've went from hardly posting at all to posting one time a week. Now this year I want to move to three times a week. And then I want to post like one or two long form stories where like I start conversation with my audience mm-hmm. um, weekly. Okay. So that's three posts a week, two conversations. And I'm like, you know what? Right now, um, like I'm not influencer status. Like right now I'm just trying to build an audience, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. So instead of trying to be everywhere, I'm just going to be at one on one platform. Mm-hmm. And that's where I'm going to post mostly. So mm-hmm. I've chosen Instagram because um, it's very visual. It's where my audience is hanging out. And then if I want to post on other platforms, um, it for Facebook, it's only personal stuff. If it's LinkedIn, um, it's resharing some of the stuff that I did on Instagram. Okay. And then Twitter is like hardly, it's like retweeting things. I haven't really seen like a good ROI from Twitter. So I'm kind of like, mm, I have to. Yeah. Twitter is one of those interesting social medias where I think you got to be on it. Like Twitter's like one of those social media platforms that could be like all consuming, right? Yeah. I, <laughs> I had to go back to therapy because of Twitter. Like no <laughs> like no joke. Like Seriously? I Seriously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I would get lost in these political social conversations and all those these like tweets. And I just became like consumed and like obsessed and it like leaked into my like personal life. So like I like I w- like just wasn't strong enough to handle it, yeah. and I always say if you go back and listen to po- my first couple of podcasts like episodes, like, and then like pretty much after like about a year ago, there was an episode about a year ago, and then after that like there's like a true 
difference in what I was talking about, what the content, what I, like, you know, like things were that I was discussing, even if they were on topic or not, what we were talking about. Like, there's just a clear line there because that's when... When you shut down Twitter. <laughs> and my girlfriend, like, snapped me out of it. She's like, why are you obsessed with this? And then I was just like, oh my God, like, I am. And I've learned to deal with it more in a healthy way, but there's there's a lot of good in Twitter. Mental health has been, I think, really brought forward on Twitter, like Bellet's Talk Day and all that type of stuff. But then there's a lot of shit. There's so a lot of shit. So how have you started shutting down social media? Like, how have you cleansed yourself from social media to be more positive for your mental health? Hmm. Well, I haven't been that good on it, to be honest. It's more not necessarily shutting down social media for me. It's just learning that what I see on Twitter is not a personal attack. And when you get those those thoughts on how to kind of like manage them, mm-hmm. that's been more like that. But I, I'm like a sucker. I just... I find the the discourse going on like so like just wild that like I have to read it. But I've just learned to deal with it yeah. internally in a more healthy way. But like racial issues, political issues, uh like gender issues, like all those different stuff. I've I wanna kinda know what everyone's talking about. Like what is, what is the most What's going on, yeah, yeah. You know, stay into it. So similarly like you get alerts from your your phone for instant like your algorithm i'll get an alert on my phone from like some like super wild person tweeting something i don't actually have alerts set up for it but <laughs> it's just i like that's where i found an interest in that platform because the conversation is just seems more bad or good more genuine right which yeah. you know it goes right to your point that i find instagram a lot of it's manufactured and just for me totally that yeah. doesn't speak to me like I kind of can see through a lot of what people are saying. I'm like, ah, like that's not really you or like something, you know what I mean? Like I just see a lot of like fakeness, I guess you could say. That's Um, super fair. Yeah. Not for everybody. Obviously like some people do it really well. I'm not, I'm just speaking very much in general terms, but like that, that's just me and who I am and what I'm interested in. Like I'm interested in authenticity. Yeah. Like, you know, if you're super wild and racist, then be super wild and racist. Like, <laughs> I mean, deal with the consequence. But like, yeah, I, I, yeah, I just, I don't like the, the, the kind of facade people put up on social media f- for, for reasons. But that's again, that's just me. Like, I totally no, totally, I see that perspective as well. Yeah, for me, I'm kind of like, so I was speaking to someone in, um, because I'm running a a cannabis business, which I'm sure we'll get into a little mm-hmm. bit. And, and he was, he's more of a veteran in the cannabis community. And he's like, well, you're not on Twitter, Reagan. You're really missing out on the, the conversations on Twitter. Or if you really want to know how people feel about the cannabis industry, get on a Twitter. And I'm kind of like, nah, <laughs> you know, like I am a, I'm a new user, like not you new cannabis yeah. user, but I'm brand new into the industry. I don't have all of this, um, like there's a lot of history, yeah. right? And people are kind of angry with the way that the government is doing things. But the, at the end of the day, this is the way that it's going. So I'm almost happy that I like wasn't a part of the market before it became legalized because then I would have all these feelings of resentment instead of positivity or instead right, of like looking right. in the right direction. So I, in that situation, I had said to him, I'm like, ignorance is bliss. Like yeah. I'm, I'm going to just keep going with this strategy that we have, we're going to keep targeting these people and just keep it legal, you know, Yeah, keep it legal. Yeah, no, it, that's a great point. Cause 
as much as it's good to know like the negative things that are being said, like there's just a lot of noise. Like a lot of it's not valid. It's just people pissed off who hate their lives and hate their jobs and hate everything and hate Trudeau and hate this and that. And they're just they're just <laughs> mad at everything. And then this particular subject, they're just voicing their frustration about that. But so it's not a, a really valid concern you have to worry about. Exactly. Right? Like, yeah. And that's what I was talking about. Some of the things I had to learn that it's just people, just, they're just upset about everything and just this particular thing i'm reading they're just upset about this you go to their timeline they're upset about everything else too so like you get that but then you know you're you're right like instagram is such a more it's light yeah it's i kind of like fluff. that it's light <laughs> and i think i think there's a good delicate it's light and it's motivating and yeah we were talking about cleanses a second ago like something that i've done is i used to follow like a lot of like super hot bodybuilders mm -hmm. and i'm like i'm never gonna work out enough to look like you i'm gonna work out but not enough yeah. to look that hot you know yeah unfollow oh interesting right okay. like i started really like unfollowing people mm. that made me have like more negative self-talk mm, okay so even on twitter i like don't follow political conversations yeah. i stick to like a couple podcasts that i really like that kind of give a full story of the news and I'm like well that's my news right like right. that's something my unbiased news right yeah yeah no it's because it gets really valid sad it gets really sad but like i said there's there's a lot of people screaming into the void on twitter yeah. you really gotta yeah curate your feed or learn like kind of like what it all means because not everything just because it's being said on Twitter has value. So this is true. where this is where therapy helped me, right? Because yeah. I would see like fuck all white men. I'm like, man, I'm just trying to help out. Why do you hate me? And then it's like, no, well, yeah. it's just like they're just it's just all part of it. But you know, I was having this conversation today actually with somebody that I I think I feel there's like a moral obligation of humans to at least know. A, some of the bad that's going on and i don't think we should ever be ignorant or like positive vibes only type thing yeah i think that's um, very fair but like i understand yep. how people also don't want to like don't want to in get into the conversation yeah like right like and then i mean you got google we got siri all you got to do is wake up in the morning be like hey siri tell me the news yeah CBC News comes on, nine minutes, you're done, you go on with your day. Yeah, exactly. If anything in that nine-minute segment is, like, particularly interesting to you or really alarming to you, then you can, like, dive into yeah. it a little bit deeper. And I think that's where the niche of podcasts has, has got, Oh yeah, uh, like, a really good way because a lot of the time they're unregulated, so they don't have that kind of corporate structure. Now, listen, I've never heard of, like, a corporation controlling the news. I know that's a big conspiracy. That doesn't actually happen for them. I'm sure it does, but like for the most part, like that doesn't happen. It's not like Trudeau bought the CBC yeah. and it's like a propaganda. Like that's people are angry. There's like basic <laughs> principles that journalists yeah. have to follow, and right? I mean, like must every journalist I've ever met has like like the commandments of journalists. Yeah, and <laughs> the integrity of journalism is like so ingrained and in, like they hold that to like the highest extent of the law it's it, honestly it's commendable i've had a few of them on here and i love them to death like the passion that they show and everything for that that practice but like podcasts like you can really talk about anything, anything. and that's where i i love learning about the different nuances youtube to an extent too um you can kind of get that as well but like just opening that conversation a little bit more 
and you have so many podcasts out there that you can kind of like, okay, well, I like the way the, this person frames everything and gives it to me so I can just listen yeah. to that and get what I feel like I need, right? Like you have to listen to every podcast out there to feel informed. Yeah, I think that's the beauty with podcasts yeah. is that you can literally have anything imaginable, like the content you want yeah. delivered to you weekly. I mean, whether, <laughs> whether it's down dirty and into all like the wild stuff going on in society or just like we're just listening to our favorite watching our favorite tv show and we're gonna talk to you about it oh like, yeah, yeah you yeah. know like i i'm very much like all balanced sometimes i want like cute dogs on my instagram but then sometimes i want to like it's, I, for me it's like all about kind of balancing it all and that's like a juggling act i think that's so something that we all kind of struggle with a lot yeah in this day and age, right? Like there's so much pressure to be online, but now there's all these messages to be offline, but we know that being online will really help us with our careers. Like it's just so much conflicting messages. Yeah. And like trying to do a million things at once. You want to be a good person, but hearing the news is sad. Like, Yeah. And I mean, that that's a problem all in itself as well. But I like, do you put any stock into who you follow on social media from, from like a, like you, like you as a brand perspective. So are you ever worried, like if you're following this person, it might like negatively affect your brand? Um, um, or if you like, like a tweet or, or something like. Not particularly you know, because now that, that I'm of kind of like, I smoke weed and I'm going to post about it. I'm kind <laughs> of a savage at this point. Like I'm just out, I'll just, I'm just out there to be myself. Yeah. So, um, I'm a little bit more open to be like a little bit more controversial. I don't really get into politics because I'm, um, like as we just discussed, I try to keep it a little bit light. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, but no, I've I try to pick like a few people that I really admire, and I just follow them and like their messages. Interesting. So obviously, I'm really into marketing, so I follow Neil Patel. So instead of like googling and going on like the very first search result for like a question that I have, I'll go right onto his website and just see what he had to say. Because hmm. he or I listen to his podcast all the time. Like I become like obsessed with like a few people. Okay. That's kind of like how I can, otherwise it's like information overload. There's too many contradicting like thoughts. Like I just don't know what's right, what's yeah, wrong. Yeah, yeah. Like you read yourself into oblivion, like, and you don't actually do anything. So yeah. Well, I mean, like let's get right into the, the pot subject. Cause that in itself, you have so much of that differing points of view. And, and I know we, we, we weren't going to get into the science of it, but um, I know. I, I know. Before we got into you, you talked about listening to Rogan. Did you ever listen to the one? It was like the pot debate. And no, it had I doctor, didn't. I need to. Uh, he's Canadian, actually. Doctor something Hart. And then there was another guy, and I was talking about you know the good and bad and stuff. And even in all that, I'm like, I don't know, like who to. Well, more stuff is like coming out that right. isn't positive about it. I read something that was pretty shocking. People are amazing and they send me articles and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Like, did you know this? Did you read this? And I'm like, oh, fuck, I didn't read that. Thank you. Mm -hmm. And I read about this one. Um, I don't have the name of it, but there's this one new disease that's like coming up where if you excessively use cannabis and you um, like every single day all the time to like self-medicate, you like mess up some receptors in your brain like here I am like I'm not I'm not I don't have a science background yeah. so I'm getting like very generic with it and it causes you to like have excessive puking and to the point where you like dehydrate yourself to death oh my god I know the case it's like so rare but I read that I'm like that's kind of scary 
<laughs> well, I mean, but then at the same time, you hear about all the positive yeah, benefits of it, right? Like, I think when you look at it as a whole, you know, no matter what we ingest in our body, there's pros and cons. You take Advil, for instance, like f- water could kill you, right? Like everything ha- can have a negative effect. So like that's, I mean, while yes, that is scary. I think it's always it's important rare. to put into yeah, exactly. yeah, perspective that like uh, that, you know, it, do the, I guess it's do the pros outweigh the cons. And that's like, I don't know. I've seen people who've smoked weed all their life and you'd never know the wiser. I've seen people who smoked all weed all their life and like they're basically useless. You know, right? like I've, it, I've and seen And I think it really both. just depends on the person too. Yeah. Like um with cannabis I forget where my train of thought was going there. <laughs> <laughs> but the woman that we're really trying to target um with the company that I have woman who weed um these are professional women. So these right. are women that have careers and you know, maybe use cannabis to chill out after a really long day at work. Mm-hmm. Or it could be someone that, you know, has chronic back pain. Mm-hmm. Our, co- our co-founder of Woman Who Weed, she doesn't do any type of CB, um, THC strain. So that's where you have the um, psychoactive components. It's only for pain and pain management. Mm-hmm. So there's so many different use cases for it that I don't think we can say, like, is it positive? Is it yeah. negative? But if you also, you could look at it in like the way that it's the benefits of it, but you could also look at cannabis at like what it's replacing, right? Like we know for a fact alcohol is so bad for you. It's terrible for your liver. You can become an alcoholic, right? There's Mm -hmm. just going down the alcohol path is like a downward spiral. Mm -hmm. But if you replace that with cannabis... What what are the effects on society, right? Like, yeah. what what would happen if there was, you know, prohibition on alcohol and not on cannabis, and everyone smoked weed and no one drank? Would there be any like DUI cases, right? Like, I wonder what the world would look mm-hmm. like. I think be a lot more chill. <laughs> be way more. Everyone just chill. be like, hey, like it's all good. Vegas would be uh, <laughs> yeah. Vegas be pretty lame. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Um, yeah, no, it's. It's an interesting thought, and um, I've always been interested in in the CBD stuff too because of the depression and the anxiety and and the pain. Um, what do you like typically gravitate towards to like a do you do like a mix? Are you into that like blue pineapple Kush with like the sixty two percent THC like? <laughs> um, it depends on really like what my vibe is. What what I'm having oh, okay. so much fun doing right now is experimenting with the different types of cannabis Mm -hmm. because before any of this was legal you would you know pick up from some random dude you wouldn't really know like what kind it was indica sativa like we're now learning that those words don't even really matter Mm. it's yeah we, we can get into that a little bit later um so now i'm kind of looking at like i'm starting to train myself a little bit more on the science of it and I'm starting to pick up strains to elicit a certain type of feeling I want to have. So one I've really Hmm. identified, um, I love it, it's called Rise by Tokyo Smoke and I use it in a vaporizer and I just, before I want to get creative and do like any creative writing or like caption writing, I'll like smoke a little bit of that and I'll just like get in the zone. Really? Yeah, like it, I, I just love it for that. I kind of like, it's just a focus kind of cannabis. Um, Sometimes I have trouble sleeping, so I'll do um, 
specific strains for that that will, you know, like make me a little bit more tired. Those will usually have higher CBD contents. Um, and then the way that you consume it like affects the way that it makes you feel too. So like a joint will make you feel different than if you smoke out of a vaporizer versus if you smoke out of a bong. Like it's it's so hard to like give a recommendation of like you should do this because mm-hmm. everyone cannabis affects everyone differently. Mm-hmm. So people that have a lot of anxiety tend to stay away from strains with really high THC because they get a little bit too much in their head and that can lead to like panic attacks, right? So you never really know unless you try it yourself. So it's a little bit scary because you're playing with Russian roulette. So my recommendation would be to anybody that's interested in trying it is to start really small. So maybe buy like a pre-roll joint. You can buy those for like as low as like $7 each. Take a couple puffs at it and put it down. Like you don't want to go all in. Don't have to finish the whole thing. You don't have to be a hero. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Just do what feels right. Mm -hmm. But... People are always recommending me different types, and I'm always, like, playing around with them. On my Instagram, I do reviews every once in a while. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I do something that's way too strong, and I'm like, I'm way too baked to get in front of the camera again, so I'm probably just going to (laughs) not. And people message me like, yo, I want the review. And I'm like, I'm too high. (laughs) Like, no. Um, I find it weird, like, just off the top when we started talking about weed, you mentioned that you're, like, that doing this, that you're not afraid to be controversial. I find it interesting that even though it's legal, it's still somewhat taboo, I guess you could say, to talk about weed and talk about it in a professional sense. Yeah. It's funny, though. It's funny because a lot of people feel that way. But now that they know that I'm like the weed girl or whatever, everyone feels super comfortable to come in and talk to me about it. Right. So it's almost like uh, I call it like coming out of the cannabis closet, like the first person to be like, oh, like... You do weed? Oh, yeah. oh, I do weed. Oh, <laughs> we should probably do it together. Yeah. Right? And I've been trying to expose, like, um, like my family to it a little bit more. Mm. So I grew up with a family where, you know, I wasn't allowed to drink until I was 19. I had a curfew. Like, very, mm. like, not, like, super strict, but, like, pretty strict. Um, One time I got caught, you know, smoking cannabis, and I got grounded. And then it's legal. And then I have a conversation with my parents. I'm like, I think I'm going to start posting on social media about weed. Like, prepare for that. Didn't like it at all. Oh, okay. But now the more that I'm doing it and the more that they're realizing, like, everybody else is coming out of the cannabis closet, they're a little bit more supportive. Yeah. So so something that I did for Christmas is I um, bought, like, little CBD capsules and I put them in Christmas cards and I gave them to each of my grandparents saying, you know, I know you have aches and pains. Your knees probably hurt all the time. Like you've gotten this surgery. Try this. Have one. And if you don't feel it in an hour, try the second one. Let me know what you think. I'm waiting on the reviews. From I was going to say, yeah. I'm waiting on the reviews from grandma. Yeah. I remember, like, I know uh, <laughs> the first time I was caught, I was 12 <laughs> smoking weed. Uh, so that was a, that was a good time. Um, but I remember I started working at a gas station when I was 16. Um, and we sold rolling papers and the amount of people, I mean, small town, but the amount of people I knew coming in to buy rolling papers, like, I was like, you all smoke weed? What? (laughs) Right? Like people, my friend's parents, uh, people I knew like through hockey, teachers, Interesting. Like, Interesting. I, again, small town vibes, but 
so many people, and this is before it was legal, by the way. Uh, so many people I knew smoked weed. I was like, I think a lot <laughs> more people than everyone thinks. Yeah, it's like one of those things. Like no one ever said they did, other than with their friends who they smoked weed with. And I think also like people are becoming more comfortable talking about it, but like people don't want to like post pictures of themselves doing it. Just like people don't want to post pictures of themselves drinking, right? Like you can kind of compare the two sometimes mm -hmm. depending on what your use case is for it, right? Mm -hmm. But like I would allow a picture to go up with me with a beer, but I, I, I still, and I'm pretty cool like with it, I still don't think I would allow myself with like a bong. Yeah. To go up on, like, to put that out. I'd be like, mm, maybe not. Well, even for That's myself, I, I've been a little, like, conscious about it, too. I'm like, okay, I've done the vape. But I haven't really posted any videos of me smoking. I don't know about the bong, though. The bong's too much, not the bong. Yeah. Right? So it's... But why? Yeah. Like, really, right? why? Yeah. Like, you're, at, this, at the end of the day, you're taking cannabis and you're smoking it. What I, I think is kind of interesting, too, um, is... I wonder how many people that have not wanted to smoke something are going to start trying things now that edibles are on the market. That, right? that was another big thing I was going to talk to you about because I know so many people who are like, I don't like smoking it. They yeah. don't they don't like, you know, putting the things in their lungs, but they're like, but I'd eat it. Yeah. And what was really interesting is that my co-founder and I, a woman who eats Sarah, she and I got invited to the ribbon cutting ceremony at Tweed. So Tweed, for anybody who doesn't know, is a massive uh, cannabis licensed producer in Canada. And those are people who sell weed, essentially. And they're one of the first companies to kind of get that ch those chocolate bars out on the market. Mm -hmm. So um, every single piece of chocolate is, if you were to compare it to something that people, every single piece of Chocolate would be like equivalent to having like one beer. Mm. So like very small, you know, you really got to like work your way up to like really feel that buzz. That's kind of the strategy that they went with the chocolate. So everyone that has been cannabis users for a long time, they're like complaining. That's not enough. Like that's not going to do anything to me. I'm going to have to eat three like full chocolate bars to feel anything. But that's when I started because I asked, I was like, what, like, how do you think people are going to respond to, like, this very low dosage? Do you think people are going to be, like, mad about it? And someone that had worked there had said, like, well, you have to think about who are we tar we're targeting with this chocolate, right? Like, this is the very first chocolate bar to go to market. We're targeting those people that have never tried cannabis before. So we want to be very, very careful. And then once Health Canada gets more comfortable with, like, what we've done, then we can kind of start inching our way into, yeah. like, stronger stuff, yeah, right? Yeah, the dark chocolate will be, like, the strong. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Get some almonds in there, and that'll be, like, the light and fun. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, but there was a period of time where um, before it was legalized, cannabis was legalized, there was like this weird gray period. So Justin Trudeau had announced that cannabis will be legal. So individuals started opening up cannabis shops and there's this whole gray market where people didn't have like any licenses yeah. or like they were just making brownies at their house, selling it to these people who had little like makeshift cannabis shops. And then you were buying it as a consumer. And I had an experience where, you know, me and my friends bought this brownie and I was like, okay, like, how is this brownie like going to hit us? And he's like, well, I eat a full one, like the person, that, <laughs> I eat a full one, but, mm. uh, 
maybe you should eat like a quarter, like not playing into like tolerance levels or, you know, experience with cannabis or all these different things. So we whatever we bring this this brownie to New Year's and each of us eat our quarter. And literally within 20 minutes, we're like sleeping, like (laughs) sleeping or yeah, we had to sleep or else we probably would have been sick. How many horror stories have you heard of people like eating it and like having like a bad because it's, it's yeah. di- like it's totally different. It's like totally for those different. who don't know, it's like a way different high. Your liver processes it a lot different than your lungs go- and your bloodstream would. Um, and yeah, I've heard people for anybody like, new, I would recommend smoking it for the very first yeah. time. To at least it goes away in like an hour with when you're eating it. It yeah. lasts long time. And like I, you, how many stories have you heard of someone being like they eat a cookie, wait twenty minutes, like eat a bite. Ah, it's not enough. So they eat the whole cookie and then just like comatose. Comatose. Yeah. I love like, that. that yes. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> like just out of and it. And it's not just the eating, right? Like that's like the oils, the pills, like anything that you're mm-hmm. like putting into your body that needs to kind of go through your bloodstream for you to, I'm not, uh, don't quote me on the science of that. Like does the smoking go through your bloodstream too? I don't know. But like anything that you have yeah. to like literally swallow will affect you differently. Than yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm interested to know, like, do you, are you like a believer in not only like just like the recreational use, but like the things uh, like CBD as like a topical or as like the oil, like taking it, ingesting it for things like, do you do any of that stuff too? Or are you just mostly in it for like the fun? No, uh, that's something I really want to um, get into a little bit more. Mm-hmm. I'm in the process of getting a subscription for medicinal cannabis because okay. I have um, chronic pain in my knees. Um, I can't speak about my experience on that too much yet because mm-hmm. I haven't really went through the process from start mm-hmm. to finish, but I eventually will post the whole process on my Instagram or on some sort of social media platform. But I was a little bit skeptical. I'm like, okay, like, does a cream really do anything? Like, I, I didn't really believe it. And then someone sent me a CBD bath bomb through Instagram. So I'm like, okay, like not really believing it. I put the CBD bath bomb in, I'm laying there. And then suddenly like my entire body went numb. Like, and I knew it was working because like my face muscles relaxed. And like, I feel like your face muscles just don't relax, you know, like unless you're like massaging it. And then I got out of the bathtub and I was just like, so calm and relaxed like I felt so good so I'm eager to get my hands on one of those again so if that's the way that it made my whole body feel I'm sure if I put it on a specific area of pain that it would relieve the pain right for sure yeah because that that's something I've again I referenced it a little bit earlier but something I'm really interested in like the whole not just like the whole thing about CBD um I know like I bought someone at first like was legalized and like smoked it and then like it's pretty good but like the topicals and stuff that like were you don't have to really ingest anything i could like rub a535 just rub it on my neck and i'm like oh, yeah yeah and like so i'm really interested in like hearing and those are, those are going to come to market more now that cannabis 2.0 has been released um the products that have had cbd in it um that if they had like cbd from uh cannabis plants mm-hmm. it wasn't like technically legal like only like hemp-based products have been legal so i'm interested to see like how if that makes a difference and like what products are coming out cause... and that that's legal now right like that just turned yeah, legal exactly and all that stuff yeah um what's your opinion of if 
you can give it at all about like how the government has kind of managed this whole thing um, with weed. Because in my opinion, it's been shit. I'll just come out right out and say it. I think they botched, like they botched a lot of it and haven't like, like I think they said like, did you look up the article, but they lost like millions of dollars over the first year on cannabis. I'm like, how do you lose money on weed? Um, and I mean, so you're a lot more involved with people in the community and, and users and you're a user yourself. Like, do you, do you have a strong opinion on that, on how it's all worked so far? Yeah, I think the general sentiment is similar to yours of people that have been like cannabis users that they don't like the way that the government's going about it. Um, I'm like generally positive and hopeful. Right. Like, right. I think with anything new, we have to just give it time. And the fact that we are like one of the first G7 or the first G7 country to legalize cannabis nationwide mm -hmm. is an incredible milestone. And we are the trailblazers for every country that's going to do this yeah, in the future, true. right? So Health Canada, they say this all the time, it's like their number one priority is keeping civilians safe. And that's what they're doing. And in doing so, they're taking away the fun out of the cannabis a little bit, right? They're putting incredibly harsh um, advertising restrictions on cannabis licensed producers and companies, making it like impossible for them to do like any creative ads and like make cannabis seem fun. But at the end of the day, like, if you if a child that has cannabis and they're like hallucinating not hallucinating yeah. but they're like having like you know like some psychoactive activity happening like that's not right for a kid yeah. right well, like you don't want your kid to drink yeah like there's definitely research on like how it affects people under 25 yeah because um, your brain is still developing yeah exactly and that you know it's probably recommended that you i mean you don't do it as an adolescent for sure but like probably wait till you're after 25 to really indulge in it i mean that's again a very general statement everyone processes it differently but yeah like giving and kids and stuff it's like Ew. even like i think the one like thing with doug ford which was good is that he privatized cannabis so um we could like for retail stores so that's why we have like nice pretty apple store like cannabis stores yeah. where we can buy our stuff like we get that really cool experience for when we're purchasing it Maybe not what the actual package looks like, but we still kind of get like this elevated experience. Whereas in Quebec, they try, they went a different way and they did it more of like a monopoly. So when you buy cannabis, you have to buy it from like the SAQs or something like that. So yeah, that's how they were going to roll it out originally. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. So at least we kind of got that right. Yeah, yeah. And I think because we kind of went down that path, I personally believe that like things are going to get get a little bit looser not necessarily with the packaging i think things will still they'll still be that restrictions but maybe um kind of with the way things roll out or like maybe the way that we see topicals and stuff like that they might yeah. not have to be in like nasty bottles right they might be like behind the counter at shoppers drug mart like i don't know right yeah yeah I mean, it's all up to speculation right um and there's like a i don't like i read there i was listening somewhere there's like a, a huge oversupply or something like they're having like a, just a huge issue with supply management. Um, I remember I got something and it was like a year old when I got it. And they, cause they just can't manage it between produce, like producers to the government and then to the stores. Like it's just, especially ordering online. Yeah, it's I'm just, not super familiar with like yeah, the okay. whole supply chain management aspect of it, but I do know that they expected 
a lot more people to kind of jump on the cannabis mm-hmm. train. But now that cannabis is legalized, they realize the people that are buying it are being the people that have been using cannabis before, mm-hmm. right? So they expected the demand to be a lot higher than it actually is. Got a question from Twitter. Oh, wow. One nice. of my first questions from Twitter. It's from Naomi. She asked, how have you navigated speaking your truth and also starting a business in such a controversial in- industry? Yeah, absolutely. So I think a lot of it kind of like was the way I positioned it as like my coming out, right? Like I, I've, I've, it's kind of how I've been chatting with you today. Yeah. So I'm not an expert in cannabis. I'm learning about it the exact same way that everybody else is. I'm just maybe reading up on it a little bit right. more. And you're kind of taking us... As and an I'm taking you as it. an audience through the journey, okay. right? Like, for example, when I experimented with a type of cannabis and it got me too high, I'm like, holy shit, that got me way too high. <laughs> you know, like, be careful, yeah. right? Like, be careful. Or, you know, when I tried my first oil um, thing and I looked at the syringe and I'm like, this syringe looks super sketchy. Like, mm-hmm. it's, I think it's just more about, like, being myself and having a little bit of fun with it and just kind of, like, shedding away... Um, my worries about what people are going to think about me because I had to do that in the first place to mm-hmm. decide that I was going to be posting content in cannabis. So I just got to keep going with it and just stay confident and just keep going mm-hmm. forward. Do you ever have like worries about, you know, if this particular endeavor doesn't work out, do you, do you ever worry about like how it might affect future opportunities at all? I've made the decision for myself that I'm like all in with cannabis. Yeah. So if the personal branding thing doesn't work okay. out and I don't end up, you know, my business fails and everything goes to shit, mm-hmm. like I'm going to work for a cannabis company. Like oh, fair that, enough. that's where that's where my passion is and that's yeah. where I belong and that's, that's where awesome. I, I want to keep like spreading the positive message yeah. to as many people as possible. So tell me about women who weed. Um, we've refer- referenced it twice now. Where did you get this idea to kind of come up with this concept and what is it exactly? Yeah, absolutely. It's a great question. So Woman Who Weed was kind of born out of necessity. So I had looked online to see if there was anything in Canada that connected people that were like me, professional women that used cannabis, maybe would prefer cannabis over wine or used it for self-care or used it to relax. And I didn't find that there was a forum that existed for this particular mm. group of women. So I started to I started it with my co-founder as a book club. So I'm like, you know what? Let's get a bunch of girls together, smart girls, because it's a book club. Let's get high and let's talk about issues facing women. Mm. So it worked. We've spoken um, you know, about personal development. We've spoken about women at work. And the the red thread at, across all of our events is two things that we're all women and that we all use cannabis because you can do a couple of things when you start to build like a cannabis events company, right? Like it can be all education, but at the end of the day, sometimes people just want to do cannabis and do it and then forget about it. Mm-hmm. Not everyone really wants to learn the science behind the cannabis, right? They just want something that works for them. Then they want to forget about it or they want a doctor to su- subscribe them something. They want a recommendation from their friend. So we're trying to take, um, we're trying to take that interest that people have in cannabis, but apply it to just the regular things that we do. So we would do like a cannabis hike, you know, right. a cannabis wellness workshop. So it's more about adding cannabis to 
women okay. empowerment events. Gotcha. So, and it's in a really interesting niche, and it it does take an explanation. Yeah. So we're we're experimenting and we're growing with um, different types of events. Some being more educational, some being more about empowerment. Yeah, I think there's absolutely room for all of it, kind of en- encompassing, you know, for for all of it. And I mean, who doesn't love like getting high and having like these big philosophical debates? It or really conversations, is what it, it's right? really what it comes down yeah, to. Yeah, like talking about. I I love like talking about issues and just like and just talking to smart people. Yeah, right. It's so engaging. We've pur- we've purposely really branded ourselves to be very sophisticated and classy because that's how the women feel that are a part of this community. So we've really um we've really niched. And that's where I've kind of pulled from my marketing and branding right. skills is we know who our audience is. We have a persona that we market to and we only market to them. So if you don't feel like if you want to just get high and watch Netflix, then maybe that our community isn't the right one for you. Right. Right. It's almost like a networking group with weed associated. Exactly. With it. Okay. So you exactly. like do a whole bunch of other things with it. Like it's a community. So it's kind of like creating like an extended social circle. Interesting. Uh, how many like members are you up to like right now? Right now we have 250 members in Ottawa. <laughs> Sorry, like that, like even for that, I was like, oh, oh good for yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. That's really great. Yeah. It's growing and there's so much interest. So there's so much interest that we're actually growing across the country um, in the next couple months into some of the major cities. So mm-hmm. you'll be hearing more about our growth story there. Um, the goal is to just empower women leaders in cannabis to build out these communities so they can do exactly what we're doing in Ottawa in their respective cities. Right. 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 It's interesting because it, like, it's such a, a cool concept and it also helps break down that stigma that like stoners quote unquote are like lazy, no job, good for nothing. Like, you know what I mean? Like that, just that stereotype and that surrounds them. I'm finding them. too, like a lot of the women that join the group don't feel like they have their social circle or like they're missing that component of their social circle. So they feel like they have to do cannabis by themselves and they really want it to be more of a social activity, right? So it's kind of like connecting like-minded women who use cannabis. Mm-hmm. Now, the, like the question is, so say you have an event, someone wants to come, but they just didn't want to get high that night. Like, is there like... You don't have to. Yeah, okay, there's no yeah. like rules about any Some people stuff? have come to the event just for the book club. They're like, oh, cool book. Just want to talk about... Thought it'd be interesting being around a bunch of people that was high talking about this book, so I'm going to come. Okay, so that's interesting. Um, like, what are, you, what are your hopes and goals for it all? Like... Yeah, that's a really great question. So when we, when I, my co-founder and I started it, I thought I was going to be hosting the first event like in my living room. I just really did it so I could find more people that were like me. And then it just kind of took off. And there was a lot of interest in it. And I'm like, oh, shit, like we got to actually turn this into a thing. We got to get an event space. So an event space turned into multiple events, turned into people messaging us on Instagram asking if they could open up a chapter in their city. So now we're on kind of the growth phase. So we're building out a platform or a replicable model that individuals, cannabis leaders across the country can take and then build out their own communities. That's what we're focusing on right now. 
once we build those communities and they kind of start growing in their cities, we want to start offering them more value. We want to start connecting women in business to one another through a cannabis directory or make it easier for, um, you know, podcast hosts like you to find people in cannabis. Mm -hmm. We want to really be like, if it has anything to do with cannabis, we want it to be associated with like women who weed. Mm -hmm. We want to um, build out merch and an accessory brand. It's, it's in the making. Right. It's in the Lots making. Lots of stuff going on. Step one is build out the community across yeah. the country. Is there like a membership fee or like you have to sign up or, or anything like that? Like, or is it just kind of like we're having an event, show up if you can make it? Yeah. So we have Facebook communities for each city. Got it. And um, that's where they can kind of have their more intimate conversations. And then we host events that have a small fee. Okay. Um, so... I guess my next question, I'm just trying to think how to like word it because it's such a new industry. Um, what's your, and I'm talking about cannabis in general and now with this women who weed, like, do you find it, it more of maybe like a, an equal playing field in terms of equality between men and women um, in a sense of, you know, maybe no one really has a head start on this. So like, it's, it's kind of like, I don't want to yeah, say like no, women no, take I... control, but like, it's just like, there's like a really opportunity to like start fresh and like have like, just like a, a very like either like a, a better power dynamic that, than in the rest of society and with other business models that like cannabis is maybe like this, that like fresh start for like everything kind of society's talking about when we talk, talk about, um, gender imbalances and, and pay structures and all that type of stuff. Do you find that now with your experience in, in the, the cannabis industry? I'm seeing a lot of female-led, like, small businesses in cannabis. Um, and, you know, there was a lot of hope for women executives to lead, like, trailblaze in the cannabis space. But um, the most I've read recently that it's not really trending that way. So a lot of the big cannabis companies are hiring external executives from like massive companies from other industries right. that don't even use cannabis at all, which is funny. So it, um, I was listening to a podcast the other day and I don't remember the name of the brand, but the guy used to um, like be the C chief marketing officer of like Tide, <laughs> for example. And now he's the chief marketing officer of a cannabis company, but he doesn't do any cannabis. So mm. they're just poaching top talent. That's really what they want right now. They want the best people to be working in the cannabis industry for their company. And unfortunately, a lot of people at the top quote, that are quote unquote the best are men. Mm -hmm. So women are still climbing their way up there. But I am, I'm really hopeful that, um, you know, as the restraints or the restrictions on like... Um, cannabis businesses because there's a lot of limitations for entrepreneurs that want to get into the cannabis industry and that's the one um that's the one thing i'm a little bit or the most disappointed with with the the rollout of cannabis is mm -hmm. that unless you um you have to jump through hoops or have a lot of capital to be able to um do really anything that involves cannabis so sure you can start an accessory line you could build a, you could do a grinder you could do what we're doing because we're not touching cannabis at all but the moment that you actually want to have cannabis in like a product that you're making, it's very, very challenging and mm -hmm. expensive. It's unfortunate. 
Yeah. So yeah. as uh, hopefully, fingers crossed, as um, time goes on, more women will have the opportunity to jump into the space and we'll kind of mm-hmm. see more equality happening. But- do, you, do you think advocacy is or can be part of the women who weed uh, in a sense of like, I don't know what it is, but like putting some sort of advocacy into getting the women involved in the actual industry part of it, like the manufacturers and the distributors. I think that's really interesting. I think that's really interesting direction and I would love to get into that soon. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I mean, just thinking if you have... Some Once the, we have the collective power of yeah. chapters across the country, yeah, and you know the, I, and we know business owners through the directory that we're going to build, yeah, and you know arguably the, the greatest minds of women who indulge and know about cannabis, in the same group. I just I me just sitting here totally objectively, I'm like, there's a hell of a lot of power in that, you yeah. know, like you're gonna have like just really, like smart ambitious, passionate people about this subject, all being women because of the organization, it's like, why? Why not? Why wouldn't companies just be like, mm, I mean, yeah, again, just speaking objectively, like I could see a lot of good things happening, like coming from that. I'm really sure. excited for where we're going to grow. We're taking like one step at a time. Yeah, we have yeah, our yeah. three year plan or not even like our one year plan. Cause I want to move fast. <laughs> People are trying to get in, you know, got to be the first. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. yeah, no, thanks for that perspective. I think that's super interesting. I've actually been approached by someone to have to have that conversation. Good. Yeah. Just got to learn uh, how to even start. I mean, it's just <laughs> yeah. knocking down doors, just yeah. knowing what you all want and just pretty much going after people until they listen. They might not ever listen, unfortunately, but... I, I think there's, within the next, I mean, it's not ideal, but 10 to 15 years, hopefully five, that we're going to see just once people, you know, our age and a little bit younger start coming into more positions of power and management positions, I think we're really going to see like a title shift in a sense of, you know, people whether you know you're LGBT or or women or minorities, like I really do believe that we're going to be seeing like a shift in a more equitable I hope a- so. across. Yeah. Like I I know ten to fifteen years, like it's not the great. Like that's not very and optimistic. It's progress, right? It's progress. You just got to wait for the boomers to retire. <laughs> <laughs> you got to kind of push them out. Like a lot of them are already kind of softening in their views, at least in my experience. Yeah. Like they're they're definitely not taking as hard of lines as they thought or as they once were, even when I started five years ago. But it just unfortunately it takes time, and I know a lot of people like they don't have time because they've been doing it for so long, you exactly. know. And so it's it's frustrating. Um, other than women for weed, like what's what's next with you? Um, what are you hoping to accomplish this year? What do you what do you see yourself doing? Kind of like a job interview question, you know, yeah. like what are you going to be the next, I don't know, who's a big My goal for this year is to <laughs> really, at the end of the day, my goals are to get into the cannabis space and build my business so I could just only focus on that. Mm-hmm. Like I, I absolutely love the personal branding side of what I do and it's a passion of mine and it's what I do full time, but 
my goal is to make money in my business. Right. Like, so, because mm -hmm. at, at the end of the day, like, you can only divide yourself between so many things for so long. That's the reality of anybody who want, goes from employee to entrepreneur. You take the money wherever you can find it mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and you learn through the process. But you have to have that, like, end goal in mind, or else I'm just going to be juggling things for the rest of my life. And that's not really yeah. a way forward. Yeah. And I find one of the biggest things, especially since I started this podcast, and I've started to get involved with more, you know, people like yourself, like entrepreneurs or people who are trying to start their own projects. The one thing I found is the age, like we talked off, off the off the start, that it's nowhere near what I thought. Like it's young people <laughs> that are really pushing hard for this type of stuff, which I love. And two, the amount of ambitious women who are just like, like fucking killing it <laughs> yes but like but honestly and truthfully like who i just see you know just not taking the status quo and like literally just not just in a sense like chasing their dream but like they're out there fucking doing it every day i find that so awesome and fascinating because you know like someone like me i don't have the guts to do that like i'm like i need my paycheck and or else I'm not going to pay my student debt on time and you know like there's so much risk in it and like I said since I, I'm, I'm in like entrepreneur groups now and mm -hmm. I'm meeting people such as yourself who are expanding I mean it, it's a great it's a great um, setup for me because you know kind of helps us I get my, my guest who has interesting content and it helps people who are just trying to launch themselves have a small but somewhat of a platform to talk about what they're doing so it's, it, you know, so that's why it's easy to meet well, you entrepreneurs. Can't, you can't be an entrepreneur. Like, you you can't leave your full-time job if you don't have a source of income. Yeah. Right? Like, we have responsibilities. Yeah. And that's, like, why people, you know, do side projects that eventually turn into, like, part-time work with their job, and then they jump over that way, mm -hmm. right? But you have to build a base before you jump over, right? Yeah. Because, yeah, like, I wouldn't be doing this if I didn't have enough money to pay the bills. Yeah. Like I have the luxury that, you know, I can take on person. I have a skill set like personal branding where I can take on new clients and build a micro business while I'm actually building the business that I want to build for the rest of my right. life. Right. Mm -hmm. You uh, got to be like humble. Yeah. And honest with yourself. Yeah. But I just the amount of young women doing it to me, it's like it's I don't know. I like I take it as like. All right, society, you want to choose like shit? Fuck you. We're going to go do our own thing and we're going to win. It's like, okay. Like, yeah. 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 You know seriously. what I mean? Like, that's the way, that's the way at least I interpret I it. I honestly kind of think of it um, that way too. Yeah. Like, I'm not going to put up with, sh with your shit. I'm just going to go create my own thing. And a lot of people, like, it's like working and it's like great. Cause like, you see it and you're, you're like, oh, damn. Like, I don't know. I, I always just, um, like I talked to you earlier about the journalists and, and this, like I get so inspired by people who just like go after it. Like to me, like, like that's self-made people. Yeah. Like to me, yeah. like I just find that like so cool because as someone from the outside, like who's just never had the balls to like take that jump, but I've always like, I've wanted to at, at points. It's just like, it's like, damn, like I have a lot of admiration for doing that. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks. It's scary, but <laughs> I'm doing it. I'm doing it now while I'm young. Yeah. Before I, and I think that could be a big reason why a lot of women do it while they're young too is like we do have a little ticking time bomb inside of us that. Right. <laughs> right. So 
we try to maybe squeeze a lot of stuff in in our 20s, you know, so that's at least that's where my mind is going, right? Like I want to get so much done in my 20s so then by the time I'm ready to have a kid because I want to have a kid, mm-hmm. I'll be on the right path and right. I won't be 30 having a kid being like, well, now it's time to start my business, right? Right. Because that's where um, a lot of a lot of people won't at that point, right? Yeah. You have to be honest with yourself. When you have yeah. a little crying baby, do you really want to be starting a business or do you want to be worried hmm. about your baby? It's, I never. But if you already have the the business going, right? There's yeah. no There's no option. Babies come to meetings, you know? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, like, and it's good you said that because, you know, as a guy, obviously not having to think about it in those terms, yeah. like, that's a good perspective. It's like, oh, yeah, like, you know, you don't have the luxury necessarily that a, a man might have. Exactly. Like, our, it doesn't mean that, you know, anybody can start a business at any yeah. point, but I just really wanted to have that momentum mm-hmm. going while I was young. While I was, A, when I was young, and didn't have like too many responsibilities and B, well, I already wasn't like making a fat paycheck. So like if I had been working in the government for X amount of years and I was racking in like 90 K, then maybe it would be a little harder to Mm -hmm. step back from the lifestyle that I was living to, you know, live on what I can to do what I'm doing right now. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Listen, Again, kudos because I think it's great and it's awesome and I'm glad you could come on. Uh, where can people find you if they're interested in any of the, the personal branding stuff or this, the women who weed? Yeah, so if you want to check out my services for personal branding, it's it's, I-T-S, Reagan Bradley, R-E-A-G-A-N-B-R-A-D-L-E-Y.com. If you want to check out Women Who Weed, it's womanwhoweedclub.com. And you can find me on Insta, same uh, thing as my... Same handles for it's both. It's Reagan Bradley. Yeah. I think I said Reagan off the top, so I apologize. Oh, that's fine. I Reagan. Get all, the time. <laughs> all right. Reagan Bradley, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you. Bye. You take the red pill, you stay in Wonderland, and I show you how deep the rabbit hole.